1: You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. One hour of straight hockey talk with Dan, Rick, Tyler, and Bag Milk
3: starts now.
4: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Oilers Nation Radio, episode 177. Is this a, is, it, is an emergency pod? Is that what we're doing? Because, I mean, originally, we had scheduled to do this on Thursday because Tyler and I are going to Jasper for the Pond Hockey Tournament. And uh, so this was always the plan. But now it kind of turned into a, an emergency podcast, maybe? Yeah. Tyler, is this no the stops? first
2: Is this the first time in 177 tries that given us something to talk about this close to like the, the opening buzzer for us?
0: Remember, remember the Luigi trade when I made us record a day earlier because I was going on vacation. Then he got traded right when we would have been recording. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Classic. <laughs> so we're going to get into the Evander Kane thing. If you're wondering what we're talking about, he is an Edmonton oiler. Uh, contract is out. Tyler, you got the details on the contract?
0: Yeah, our friend at uh, Puckpedia Hart had a bunch of the details throughout the day. Basically, the way this thing breaks down is Kane's cap hit is going to be $2.1 million. Kane will receive roughly $970,000 in cash. It's a 200 day NHL season. So you basically have to take the money he's getting paid and or the money the contract's worth and like multiply it by how much time he missed. It's confusing. I'm not going to do math, but he's going to oh, earn. Oh, come on. Some of your check math. <laughs> he's going to earn 970 K. But his cap hit on the books is going to be $2.1 According to Puckpedia, the Oilers now have $1.68 million in cap space. To activate Mike Smith from LTIR, they would need to clear $520,000, which they could easily do by sending Stuart Skinner to the minors. But basically, if the roster is fully healthy, Edmonton will have about $230,000 in cap space.
4: So what we're saying is not a lot to go goalie shopping or defense shopping unless you get some money out kind yeah. of deals. But we're going to get to that. We're going to get to all of it. We've got a lot to talk about with the Evander Kane news. Got to give a shout out to our friends at Oodle Noodle and DoorDash. Of course, Tyler, what do you got for a delicious debate?
0: Evander Kane, the right or wrong call? Who wants
4: to jump in first? Evander Kane, we're talking about it on the delicious debate. Rick, you're fired up. You just got back from where were you by the way? Were you in Mexico?
2: I was in Mexico. I was in California was for last week. Yeah, I see you looking bronzed. Yeah, mm. <laughs> a little a little different color right now. Yeah. What's your
4: take on this um, thing?
2: We did this, I think, two weeks ago, maybe. We gave our opinions on it. I have not changed. Um, I'm good with it. Like I'm I know what it like people are gonna be throwing, throwing whatever and calling me names. I don't really care. This is the type of player on the ice that we could really use. He brings skill, he brings size and grit, which I know I don't really believe in, but I still think we need some. He's the the right type of player at the right time, so I'm I'm all for this.
4: Uh, Nation Dan, you're waiting patiently. I see you've got takes in your eyes. I know that they're coming. Your thoughts on Evander Kane signing a one-year contract with the evans
1: Oilers? Yeah, Rick kinda laid it out there and just said, you know, we all we all talked about this about two weeks ago, and I'm still kind of the same place where it's just disappointing that we're at a point in the contracts of both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel, where we're having to bring in guys with some possible issues within the locker room and within the the team chemistry dynamics and off ice issues, um, to try and fix the season. Uh, you know, it, it's it's probably gonna turn out perfectly well that would be a very 2022 kind of thing to have happen where he comes in and you know lights it up and and there will be people that will still be frustrated with it and upset by it and so it's you know i I just i'm frustrated that we're at this point as a franchise that we had to make this decision but they made the decision on a business acumen not really anything to do with the moral side of things
0: Tyler. Yeah, it's definitely like hockey wise, you can see how Evander Kane will fit in with this group on the ice. He will slot into their lineup pretty nicely. And for $2 million, he's going to give you a ton of production. But I, I also see Dan side of it. And, and that that is really the tough part for me is like, I, I totally understand the parts of the fan base that look at this and go, I don't want to cheer for that guy. I don't want that guy on my favorite hockey team. And I think People are totally justified in saying that. And the people who sit there and go, I just want the Oilers to win. I care about the team on the ice and I don't care about the the guys off the ice. And And the people who say that or who go, you know, I believe in redemption stories or whatever you want to say you know, that that's a take that you can certainly have me justified in having as well. I I just think that's why we talked about this on real life earlier, bag milk. I think that's why this is so split and people are so passionate is because there are level headed people on either side. And I do think both sides are totally worthy of having the opinions that they have. So I'm torn on it, like on the ice. I get it off the ice. I don't like what this guy has done but the deal happened. So I, I mean, he's going to be an oiler. He might be in the lineup as soon as Saturday and I don't have any doubts. He's going to help them on the ice. I'll just, I just won't feel great about cheering for him to score goals for the Oilers. That's my take.
4: I, I mean, I don't know even what else needs to be said. Really? He's going to help on the ice. Mm -hmm. There's no question about it. Evander Kane instantly jumps into the Oilers' top six and will be one of the best wingers they have on the team. Now, um, everything that goes off ice. I don't know how you can necessarily just ignore it. But personally, I think th- this is just me. I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze here. I don't think this circus needed another tent put up. But if you're looking at results, and this is unquestionably a must win season for the Oilers, like missing the playoffs is not an option. Cannot happen. Uh, the others obviously went through what they went through losing 13 of 15 games there on the stretch. We're going to talk about those wins though. Hey, a couple of wins, mm-hmm. uh-huh. um, but you can't lose this season. You can't lose it at all. And there's no question that Evander King is going to help them right the ship on the ice, but this is also a franchise that preaches character all the time. And this is also, I find it a little bit interesting, the reaction to the signing in that there are so many people that were absolutely dunking on Taylor Hall for unfounded quote unquote character issues, but then have no issue with what's going on here with some of the alleged allegations against Kane. It, it's it's very confusing for me. It's going to be weird. I'm not going to stop cheering for the Oilers by any means, no. but it's going to be weird to watch him pumping home goals, knowing how much this affects chunks of the fan base and just the fallout that we're already seeing on social media. Again, social media isn't necessarily real life. I understand that, but it's, it's a very interesting decision by the withers, but here's another thing. They weren't the only team that was going to do it. They were not the only team. Elliot Friedman reported during the broadcast the other night, the Washington Capitals were one of the finalists as well. That is a team that has got uh, high aspirations. I do wonder if there's differences just in that they've got a lot more vets in their in their dressing room as opposed to what the Oilers do. That's not to say that the Oilers don't have veterans in their dressing room. It's just different dynamics. So, But that, we'll see that, how that, wouldn't, change,
2: that wouldn't change the away from the hockey game part of it, right? <laughs> The no. the, I understand the veteran dressing part, right? I get it. If you want to be an idiot in the dressing group, you got a bunch of guys who's been there. They can straight them out. But that's never like, you could have all veterans and that's not going to change his off ice stuff.
1: Well, that's not necessarily true. I mean, like, you know, teams have had to rally around teammates before when they're having issues, you know, and, and going off the rails or whatever. Like, I mean, you know, we just we know we've heard the stories, but I, I hear what you're saying. Like, it's not it's not like they can go th- and walk him through the rest of his life and make sure that he stays on the straight and narrow. But, you know, the, to me, the, the conversation should be you have an opportunity here and what you do when you leave this arena also matters. And,
2: and, and I, so- I, I fully believe that conversation has been made. I don't think they've brought him in here with a with a blind eye, like they're, they're not ignoring what's happened. I fully believe they've sat down and said, Hey, listen, maybe come and put the sweater on. You need to act like this, this, and this, and you can't get, and you can't go outside the lines. I don't know if we'll ever find out if there's wordage in this contract that says, if he does X or B or whatever, that it's terminated.
1: You can't,
0: but I the believe- CBA doesn't allow
1: that. No. It would, well, the PA would just grievance with it yeah. every time, but um but it, unless you could get unless you could get to a point where yes, there's a like a, a mutual agreement, uh, like they you know there's been hinted in the past about a guy like Milan Lucic, uh, where there's that gentleman's agreement that maybe he will allow his contract to be bought out if he gets ineffective, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, you can't say you know if you get arrested, I'm
2: going to terminate your contract. That's something that the PA and or even even any type, like I mean, you don't even have to get arrested just to bring any type of.
1: Yeah, no, I, that was just an example. Neg- but yeah, like you get a jaywalking <laughs> yeah. ticket. Yeah, it's, you know, it, yep. like whatever they, like there is, there, like in other pro sports, there is, like Shaquille O'Neal wasn't allowed to drive his Ferrari on highways to to Lakers games because he would drive it too fast. And if he was caught doing that, then his contract <laughs> would be in trouble. Like they, those are actual been, things you can they, do in some leagues.
2: Ben with his motorcycle.
0: and. Yep. Uh, I first off it does in a way, like I was chuckling. It's pretty funny that he signed for the next like four months. And we're like, okay, if he acts up in these four months, like, can they maybe just terminate it? Like it speaks to the whole thing. And I brought this up on real life as well. The other side of the concern for me is like, he's gone spurts where he's a good player. He's been a playoff performer in the past. When he first got to San Jose, he played really, really well. He had some good runs with Winnipeg and, The issue was when he's it's almost like he stays too long, right? And he gets too comfortable. And that's when he starts to have issues, at least hockey locker room wise is what I'm talking about here. My concern would be he comes in, he plays well for the next 40 games. He scores 15 goals, let's say. And in the offseason, Ken Holland goes, what's it going to take to keep you here? Because that's exactly what the Oilers did with Tyson Berry. He was supposed to come in one year, prove it deal rack up the points which he did and then it was supposed to be like thank you very much evan bouchard come on i'm in florida yep. and yeah enjoy you got your contract we got our great year thank you they signed him to this big ticket and we're halfway into the year and people are already going how can we get rid of tyson berry because we don't need him and my concern would be and i know you really want to jump in rick my concern would be they go they sign a vander kane this offseason to a three-year deal with five million bucks and six months into next season we're sitting here going there's problems with the vander kane something's gone wrong
2: no, I agree with you. I do think we'd probably get out. I'd maybe hope that we get outbid if we ever bid at him him um, for a long-term contract. But with Barry, that wasn't their first move though either. Like they did, they, he brought him in for one year. They had their hands washed of him, I believe. They were going to go ahead with Larson. They're going to go ahead with uh, with Bouchard, and then technically, I guess if CC was uh, a look down the line, yeah. then that's the way they're going to go. And Barry was kind of like a last last-minute decision for me. And I believe Barry took a cheaper. Amount to play here, probably, and I don't think Kane does that.
4: Well, I mean, if you're going to be fair to the guy, you'd have to guess it. Uh, I mean, I'm willing to guess. We're we're already in the end of January. We're kissing February right now. You'd have to imagine he is going to be on his best behavior for this last stint, right? Don't you think? Like he you have to,
0: think. yeah. You would if think he's someone's looking, not that like
4: if he's looking beyond this season and I don't think that he'll be in Edmonton next year, if he's looking to find another deal, then you would have to be right. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just me being naive. I don't know.
1: Well, I I mean, like it's like, it's, it's to me, it's hope. Will you're, you're being hopeful there that it will, because it's, it's one of those things that, yeah, I, I think if there's a mistake here, this off season would be the retirement off season after that.
4: Or he's gonna go find a place in Russia,
1: I guess. Or, I yeah, know. yeah, I guess. Retire from professional hockey and head over to the KHL or the What's
4: going to be interesting though, is when he actually gets on the ice, you know, when there's, there's a lot of people, I did a poll on Oilers Nation, what people thought about the signing. Um, Looking at it right now, there's over a thousand votes, more than 30% are happy with the signing. Uh, We've got about 30%. I'm going to refresh this just to get you guys accurate numbers here. Uh, So 36% of they love it. 12.2% they hate it. 33%. Are just kind of like, we'll see what happens. And then the other 18% there are just like, they want to see the results of the poll. So there's a big chunk of people that just kind of want to wait and see how things go. There is a smaller but understandable chunk of people that don't like it. And then there's some people that love it because obviously that you're getting a player here at a price point that you wouldn't have got them at otherwise. And I think there is value there. I mean, this guy's going to score for us. He's gonna he's gonna be feisty. Dan hockeyfights.com. I wouldn't be surprised at all if one of first Kane's first games with the Oilers, he drops the mitts, tries to get some people on the side. Like I wouldn't be surprised at all if that happens.
1: It's been a minute. It's been a minute since he's had a fight, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. You definitely you're on the on the ball there, he's kind of the same kind of player as, as a Cassian, you know, has been in the past where it's just kind of quick to trigger. And, and here you go. Who was the, uh, the guy other... he fought three times in a game once oh, or twice question. I got to look it up one sec.
2: Well, well, Dan's he fought that one. Up. he fought the same dude three times in one game.
0: Yeah. I think so. I think it might've been Mark. <laughs> wow.
4: That is that's a impressive. rough. That's a rough game. That's what that is.
1: Uh, the other news, while Dan's looking well, that up, actually, sorry, Bag milk. Bad news for former Edmonton Snoiler. It's Alex Petrovic. Ah, <laughs> they actually fought three times though, right? They fought three times in the same game. Man, that is. That's a, that's a, those are those are hard fucking minutes. You know. Bring back Petro. That's perfect. Actually, That'll, those will go up on Hockey Fight social media here right away. I've been looking for a three pack for a while, so thank you, Tyler. Good catch.
4: Fifteen minutes. In penalties after getting in three scraps. That's a rough thing. All right. So the other news that goes along with this Evander Kane, there was a lot of this probably would have been done weeks ago, but the NHL was doing an uh, an investigation regarding the alleged COVID protocol violations with travel that took place in December. Um, The release was no further discipline. And I'll just give me a second. I'll just read the announcement. It's a quick one. The National Hockey League announced today that it has concluded its investigation into circumstances pursuant to which Evander Kane traveled across the border during the holiday period. The report prepared in connection with the investigation, which was conducted by Patterson, Belknap, Webb, and Tyler, LLP. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, Tyler it's concluded that nice. there was insufficient evidence to conclusively find that Mr. Kane knowingly made risk misrepresentations regarding his COVID-19 status or test results in connection with his international travel. As a result, the league has determined not to pursue any additional league imposed discipline against Kane at the current time. Kane remains an unrestricted free agent and is currently eligible to sign and play for any NHL club without restriction. So that was the thing where we've talked about that as well on this podcast a couple of times. Well, you're not going to sign the guy if he's just going to get suspended for 40 games or whatever, but that got wiped away today. So we can see Kane in the lineup. Do you think the Oilers would throw him in as early as like Saturday against Montreal?
0: I bet you if they win yes. tonight, they don't. I bet you if they win tonight, they go, okay, three in a row. We don't need them. Like, let's let them really ease them in. But I bet you if they were to like lose tonight, they would be like, you know what? Let's spark the boys. Let's throw him in Saturday and see what he does in the lineup. Rick, you said yes.
2: Yeah, I think. It, yeah, I don't see any point. And if he's got him, he's ready to roll. Uh, as far as the reports are, he's been skating out in Vancouver or something like that. If you got him, he's here. Put him in the lineup. Let's go rip the aid off, get it over and done with. Let's just go.
1: Uh, uh for sorry, me the yeah, biggest right? the biggest benefit being it's an away game so you're gonna get him out there and not have the home half crowd booing him
4: i don't see i don't know if people are going to boo him i think they're going to be ap- well maybe some will maybe
1: some i will. Like, i have I a think, feeling that it might start that way and then it'll just kind of taper off
4: i think that if he scores a goal in his first couple of games there's going to be a lot of the naysayers that are just going to be like all right well what's going on, on the ice is he's a good player but we'll see so now that we got him in the lineup Where does he go? Let's talk some way too early line combinations. Where do you see him? Do you put him next to Connor? Do you put him next to Leon? Maybe you stack up the three centermen and you put him with one of the three. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. Uh, Tyler, when you're thinking about Evander Kane, where do you Mm -hmm. see the best
0: possible fit for him in the lineup? All right. I have two, two lineups written out here. I was going to make this a YouTube video, but I ran out of time. Yeah. Number one is with Nuge as a winger. And I would go McDavid in between Hyman and Poole And then I would go Dreisaitl with RNH and Yamamoto. And my third line would be Ryan McLeod with Evander Kane and Warren Fogle. And then my fourth line is whatever's left. Derek Ryan, Zach Hassian, then Benson or Shore. Then if you want to go the three centers, though, and have Nuge down the middle, I would go McDavid with McLeod and Yamamoto. I would go sidle with Kane and Fogle. And then I'd go Nuge with Hyman and Puljarevi, really spread it out.
4: It would be interesting to have three lines with the potential to score. You know what I mean? I think that would add a different element yeah. to the Oilers that we just haven't seen for a while. Rick, where are you thinking? Where do you see Kane playing?
2: I don't see them bringing him in and not trying to find a way to put him in the top six. Um, you get the bodies with say him, Leon, and Puljarevi. I don't know how anybody's going to win battles below the below the hash marks with those three guys. Um, and then, yeah, you put a guy who's got a shot like that, put him next to Connor. put him on the right wing, let him start start sniping away from his off wing. I'd love to see something like that happen. I really don't know where they put him. I just think they're going to try and find a spot for him in the top six.
4: Dan, what do you
1: think? Sorry, new button was found. Um I when I like I we we've always I feel like as a group we've always dreamt of three scoring lines that could just click and we've we've had some opportunities in the past but then our lottery tickets don't work out and we don't ever see the the three-headed monster so yeah I I'd, I'd I'd love to have those three scoring lines but I, I don't know. I'm I like it's it's there's so many question marks now because that left side is so is so stacked. Like, is Fogel going to be on your fourth line all the time? I don't know, but it's uh, yeah. I, I'm I'm looking forward to having three scoring lines. Hopefully,
4: well, the interesting thing is a guy like Zach Hyman. He can flip both sides, right? So he's going to add a different true, flavor true. of versatility there. Uh, I wondered though if. I, I I wonder if Rick is right in the sense that you stick him beside dry and Pooley RV And all of a sudden that line is a fucking monster to handle. Or do you put him with Connor, let Connor do his thing. And you've got a guy there who can, who can finish and he's proven he can finish in this league. And then you spread it out a little bit. It's going to be interesting to see what Dave Pippett does with Evander Kane. We also it's found be today-
2: fun to see he gets pushed down though. Right? Like all of a sudden, if you have someone like Fogle playing the fourth line, he's, Way too good to be playing on the fourth line. The the uh, the matchups you have in that situation are going to be quite favorable for us.
4: Well, even if you flip, uh, you, you say you flip Hyman back to the other side on the right. Somebody's going to get pushed down there too. You know, it's because yeah. all of a sudden you've got Yamamoto, Puliyarvi, Cassian, and Hyman. And if Cassian gets pushed down to your your fourth line, then all of a sudden you're like, oh wow, okay. Um, so this automatically adds a different flavor into the Oilers lineup. It's just it's going to be really, really interesting to see what happens there. Um, and the Oilers it to work too because with this signing they've basically taken away all of their flexibility at the trade deadline to make an addition to net unless they've got money going out. Same with on defense. Well, so this is kind of like an all-in play almost.
2: I think you'd have some money going out just in the fact that um, I know it's supposed to be, you are t- going to talk about it later with Holloway coming up. Um, you're going to have a lot of forwards all of a sudden. Um, Turis' contract kind of goes away. Does that make it a little bit easier to move on from Cassian's contract? Uh, does Shory end up uh, being just a, a victim of circumstance? I know they like him, but at one point, he's not really in top inside the top 12 and you need kind of the money. Is this going to be two moves that help get rid of some guys that I think pretty much all of us would like to see kind of, Take the uh, QE2 out
0: here. I, I think if you're going to make a move now, like you didn't have a ton of wiggle room before. Um, if you're going to trade for a goalie, Koskinen's got to be included and got to be shipped out. And if you're going to acquire a defenseman, Tyson Berry's got to be included and got to be shipped out. And if you're going to go acquire another forward, Zach Kassian's got to be included and got to be shipped out. And expect to hear the phrase "they're in a money in money out situation, because that's really what it is.
4: That's what it has to be. There's no other way for the others to make anything work here in terms of
2: there's got to to be a way where you can get rid of, uh, say Cassian and not to bring in a forward, you're moving a contract like Cassian and whether it be a first or something, I don't know, uh, to help go for that, that goal situation. I think goalies, the next thing you have to try and fix.
4: I just think that if
2: you're,
4: yeah, I just think that if you're going to move Cassian, you're going to have to add to it. And the team that takes on that cap hit is not going to give you anything of value back.
2: That's I, mean, my I don't think here. the cost, I don't think moving Koskinen is going to be horribly difficult either. Um, it's cost you something. It, to. it just, yeah, but it's his last year. It's
0: still going to cost you like something. Contract- like remember a couple of years ago, Leonard got dealt at the, at the trade deadline and, uh, the Leafs held on to a chunk of his money and got like a fifth rounder for it. So if you're asking a team to take all of Koskinen's cap, it's probably going to cost you at least your fourth rounder next year.
4: I had Frank Saravalli on better late than never a couple of weeks ago. And he said there is a trademark for Koskinen, but the others are going to have to either pay picks or prospects or both to move it if they don't want to retain any cap. So um, that was a few weeks ago. That was a few weeks ago now that I had Frank on. So maybe I'll have to check in with him again, but um, it's going to be interesting to see. Cause like Tyler said, money in money out, that's the only way kind of things move right now. And there's still holes that need to be filled. Um, Zach Lang right now, nation network news director is live tweeting some quotes from the interview with Kayla gray. That's going on on TSN right now with Evander Kane. Um, One thing that he was asked about was the initial suspension of the 21 games. And Kane said it was an error on my judgment on my part. I understood the severity of it and took the punishment on the chin. I shouldn't have put myself in the situation. I don't have any excuses for it and I've learned from it. So here's hoping that that's actually true. uh, Zach says Kane declined to speak on his holiday trip, but it did confirm that he was in Vancouver. I can't get into it. There's a lot of different moving parts. I will say it's not as black as white as you think, and it's not necessarily being reported as accurate or what's being reported as accurate. Um, and there we go. So we'll check in with Zach as well as he continues to work on that. But Looking at online, looking at our traffic coming into weathersnation.com, this news is touching everybody. And it is something that we'll be discussing for the for the remainder of the season as Kane now settles in. I also want to give a shout out before we move on to our friends at Cornerstone Insurance. For 90 years, four generations, they've had all the products you've ever dreamed of to make sure that you're cared for in terms of insurance, auto-residential, commercial, life insurance, whatever you need. Cornerstoneins.ca, cornerstoneins.ca, citizens of the nation. You get yourself a little discount there. Got it? Good. Everybody's excited. Uh, I do want to move on from Kane a little bit because this past week we had something to cheer about. The Oilers won not once, but twice. And they did it in two resilient in resilient fashion, coming back against both the Flames and the Canucks. Now the Canucks game, yes, they had a bunch of players out. They were playing their 4 string goalie. But still, the Oilers found a way to win a game that they were supposed to win. They got it done against both the Flames and the Canucks. which always feels good. Lighten the mood around here a little bit. The vibes are a little bit brighter. And I think we all needed that. Dan, looking at those two wins, um, what was your takeaway? It was either more impressive to you than the other, both you liked them both, or what were you thinking in terms of the wins this week?
1: Um, The the flames game I thought was a good kind of emotional statement game for this team, especially where got the first two goals against and, you know, you start to feel like, and and we've seen with the flames, they've, they've been able to run away against some pretty good teams uh, just in the last week. So, you know, had a lot of dread there and I, and I think they really turned it around and, and deserved that win uh, by the end of it. Uh, So, you know, as opposed to, um, to this last game where, um I don't know. I, like I guess it, we yeah we got scored on again, right? Scored on again first. My- Love it. Ten games in a row, and and you know they were able to overcome that again. It wasn't, it didn't, it uh, like it's starting to not feel like the dagger that it was for those for those twelve or fourteen games that we cause that we we're played numb to it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. And yeah, <laughs> right. you're right. Once you get that fourteenth and that fifteenth stab wound, it just doesn't hit the same. Yeah. But you just don't have enough blood left to give. But yeah, it just felt a little different to me. Um, it, You still you still are, you know, would like to see them come out and and actually be able to put away some bucks. But the effort at the start of the games has been markably better.
4: Tyler, two wins, much needed Oilers. Again, I think that uh, one thing I want to say is Koskinen was great. Both games. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Sorry. He was fantastic. He deserves some love for those. What do you take away from those two wins?
0: Yeah, Dan, the rush of going down one nothing isn't good enough. That's why they're
1: going down by two now. They're like, damn, I need
0: to feel something <laughs> to get back into this hockey game. By the time um, we
1: were in the playoffs, it's a six nothing spot start. We're doing every time. And they're like still winning
0: games. They just need it. They need to wake up a little. Um. Yeah, no, the last two games have been good. Like a huge comeback win against Calgary that I think just really, really meant a lot for the fan base as well to, to get out of the losing streak by beating the flames was just like, it was like a double jolt of energy for everyone and a really, really solid comeback win against Vancouver that, you know, you look at the things that were ailing the Oilers for a while, it was depth scoring and their power play had gone cold and, and, and goaltending as well. Okay. Well, Koskinen slammed the door for the majority of that game. You got a goal from Ryan McLeod, who was on the third line when he scored it. And you got Leon dry just after a power play expired. Like it pretty much should have counted as a power play goal. So, a really, really solid comeback effort. And the, the part that worries me is that they lost whatever six in a row in December, they won back to back. And then they lost six in a row again. So I think this next run of games here, not necessarily tonight against Nashville, but against Montreal and Ottawa, you need to show that you're a new team and that you've taken a step forward. Don't go back on another losing streak. Now, like keep kind of plowing forward and get two of the next three.
4: I also think, though, to be, I think tonight's game against Nashville, and we're not going to talk about it too, too much, because by the time this podcast comes out and you listen to it, the game's probably over, but Nashville, to me, is a team that the Oilers have handled very well over the last couple of seasons, and we shouldn't be looking past this game as a oh, maybe they lose, maybe they don't. This is a game they need to win. They need to get back on track. They need to make sure that those games they have in hand are turned into wins. They need points, and... The Predators are a team that Leon Draisaitl has fucking stolen their lunch money for the last two years. I personally have put a couple of shekels on a over one and a half points from Leon tonight. I'm expecting it. I think this is a game that the Oilers can win. And then they're going to, if they win tonight against Nashville, they can carry some more confidence into Saturday against Montreal. Montreal fucking sucks. Ottawa just lost their best player. They, he fucking sucks or they fucking suck. So these are games that the Oilers need to win. Rick, looking at this next little bit. We've got Nashville tonight, Montreal Saturday, Ottawa Monday. What are you thinking?
2: <laughs> Honestly, I, didn't, uh, I, didn't, I tried not to get too down during that losing streak. I saw a lot of things that were good. I saw a lot of things that were bad. Uh, I tried not to get too excited at the very beginning. That's maybe a little bit harder to do. But I've never really believed that they were what they were at the beginning. Never really believed what they were on um, the 15 games, 16 games, whatever the hell that was. I was happy to see them get out of it, but there was no extra cheering. It's just get back, onto, get back into, uh, into the swing of things, get that monkey off your back, start playing like you know they, like they, like they can. Uh, this next couple of games, you're right. But it's, it doesn't mean any more to me because of what happened 15 games ago. These are games I expect to win anyways. This team needs to look at everything in this league and say, hey, listen, we can beat any one of these guys. We have two of the best players in the world on this team. We could go out there and play with anybody. And regardless of what happened yesterday, they need to keep moving forward. So I, I have no different expectations about these three games coming up than I did say, if we talked about this at the beginning of the season.
4: I think that these are games where I'd like to see the Oilers close out wins. And I think they are important because I would just, I'd love them to get some confidence back to just get a little bit of the swagger. We remember earlier in the year when the Oilers came back and beat New York with that third period uh, in that third period rush where Leon's like, don't worry, it's coming. Don't you worry about it. I'd love to see a little bit more of that swagger in their game. Whereas if, if a mistake does happen, it doesn't look as deflating. And that's what I thought the Oilers did a really good job of against the Flames and the Canucks. When there was a goal against, it didn't look like it sunk them. It looked like, all right, we just got to get back to work. And that's where, again, I got to give Nico Koskin some credit. All eyes were focused on that dude here. And he stepped up in a big, big way in both those wins.
2: That Calgary game, was anybody else like terrified watching that one? He looked, and I'm, I hate to put his name in the same sentence, but he looked very Dominic like, just kind of flopping <laughs> out there and the way he's making saves and kind of just doing what he had to do to get it <laughs> done rather than, you know, the, the stand up goal or the, you know, the, the very solid positioning goalie, everything kind of hits him and doesn't go. Like I love seeing it. I love seeing the victory. But those guys who watched Haslett growing up, like watch them. Like we watched, you know, Cujo or whatever. Like if that's your team, good lord, you must have ulcers because that was. He did everything. He looked great, but it was it was a different style of goaltending, and it was terrifying to watch.
0: It was I- it was intense. Even that save he made against Vancouver, I think it, I don't think it was OT. I think it was the shorthanded chance, but he was like pad stacked by the end of it, like flailing up (laughs) and it's like, you know what? Maybe that's like Miko Koskinen's little rallying cry is like, I'm just going to do like, fuck my positioning. Fuck what Dustin Schwartz tells me to do with my body. Like, I'm just going to go out there and play like a road hockey goalie. Cause you know what? It works for Mike Smith. If it works, it works.
4: Sometimes you just got to get that giant carcass in front of the puck, no matter how you do he's it. Huge. And you go Gordon knows he's massive. Now I was asked this on better late than never yesterday. And the voicemail. So I'll ask you guys, do you think there's any part of the, why are you so pissy media gate with Jim Matheson that the team kind of looked at it like, all right, well, we're taking it from everywhere. Maybe let's, let's get this together. Do you think there's any part of that? I don't I. I'm not ready to say that asking Leon if he's why he's pissy was the reason the Oilers turned around, but I'm asking you guys, what do you think?
0: Nah, I don't, I don't think so. I think we've had run-ins like that before. Like, I mean, that happened with Leon last year with Rob Tichkowski. So I don't think it had anything to do with it.
2: No, I agree. I don't think it's, it's it didn't, it did not ignite anything. These guys, they know who they are and they bring what they bring. And I don't think they need any type of, uh, any type of help like that.
1: Absolutely, it did. Jim Matheson fired this team up with a big piss-soaked stain <laughs> on their on their franchise and on their record this year, and they're they're fixed now. And we have only to thank Jim Matheson. They don't give Jim Matheson, with not with a t- capital A. I, I think that I like, honestly, in, in all seriousness, I do think that that players do use things from time to time that media guys say, I think they also use things that fans yell at them sometimes as inspiration. I don't know if this is necessarily that case, but causation, correlation, who knows? Coincidence. I think at the
4: very, very least, the, the boys got some jokes out of it. You know, maybe a little not bit their of first funny, bro- or- like they
2: had new Newch had his goals with him. I'm sure he's been a. a, 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 a well, march we didn't of jokes. sell
4: hundreds of T-shirts based on that one.
2: <laughs> this one was That's a little it may- bit different. Well, yeah, it's it's up to them to yeah, to give us that catchy little T-shirt line. They didn't do it that for us and with the nude one. No, that is true.
4: By the way, shout out to all of you that bought a pissy tee. I can't wait to see them once you all start getting them. The pre-sale is now closed. Again, hundreds of those things are going out the door. Absolute monster of a design. Shout out to Kennedy for whipping that up very, very quickly after my stupid we're all pissy tweet started to gain some traction. Shout out to all of you. You're all going to look great and I can't wait to see you wearing them. We're all pissy but not as pissy as we used to be. And I think that's I think that's something to be grateful about. Uh, real quick, because I don't want to spend too much time on tonight's game against the Predators, because this will be a little bit late by the time it comes out. Just around the horn, real fast. What's the score tonight against the Preds? I'm starting it off. Four two win for the Oilers. I am always on brand. Tyler.
3: Four three in overtime. Four.
4: The Oilers. Rick.
2: I'm going to go something a little bit higher. We know it's like having Koskinen run a couple too many games in a row. So I can see a couple getting past them, but I think the offense has that monkey up their back and our group of sticks are tight. I'm going six, four. Dan Edmonton.
1: Uh, I'm going to say that this is a, a bit of a letdown game and we're going to say five, three predators win.
4: Fade Dan, that's what we're all doing today. We're fading Dan. Sometimes you got to. All right. As we do every week for our friends at Buster's Pizza, I've got a crop of questions from you, the lovely Weathers Nation Radio listeners. I'm going to ask the boys. They have not seen these. They have not heard them. You're going to get their first thoughts on how this works. If you go to Buster'sPizza.ca, find a location near you. I promise you there is one. If you live in around Edmonton, guaranteed. Get a pizza, get a doner. All of them delicious. Maybe even put your donor on a pizza. Eat that. Invent something new. I don't know. Whatever you want. Buster's Pizza. Go check them out. All right. I am looking at my screen here. Rick is actually up first on my screen. Uh, first question for Buster's Pizza and Ask the Idiots. The O six Oilers at the deadline traded to help out their offense and definitely their goaltending. Who do you want to be our Sergei Samsonov and Dwayne rollison at this year's <laughs> deadline?
2: I think our Sergey Samson, uh is already here within the Kane or Holloway edition. I don't see them going after a lot of forwards after those two guys come up. Oh, shit. You know what? When it comes to the the Roley, I don't give a shit what his last name is. Uh, I just need results between the pipes. Um, there's obviously numerous goaltenders out there you can go for, but literally it doesn't matter what his last name is. Just give me a guy who can come in here and, and play that number one spot.
4: And uh, shout out to Mike Camito. Actually, I think it was yesterday or the day before marked the anniversary of Kevin Lowe going out to get Jarospaczek. So that was an early, that was a January yeah, yeah. trade. Tyler, who is your Samsonov or Dwayne Rollison? Who's your targets for the deadline?
0: Um, like the Dwayne Roloson side of it is like for me that screams like a veteran guy, right? Um, so I don't know if there's necessarily that, but the two goalies that I would like to see brought in are Vitek Vanacek or Ville Huso. But I will say, I, I did a YouTube video on this. It's not out yet. It'll come out this weekend or later. I don't know when. Um, but someone <laughs> sent in a suggestion about how the Oilers could get Darcy Kemper. And if Colorado is actually interested in Flurry, to make the money work, you would assume either Kemper or, I guess, Pavel Francouz would have to go back the other way to Chicago. And if Chicago has Kemper, a pending UFA, they don't need him. So maybe that's the way the Oilers could still work away to get Darcy Kemper. But realistically... um I like Huso, I like Vanacek, but if you're asking me for my Dwayne Rollison pick, I'll go ahead and say it's Braden Holtby from the Dallas Stars, and my Sergei Samsonov. Oh, God, who's even out there? I'll say it's Jake DeBrusque.
4: Mr. Nation, Dan.
1: Uh, when it comes to goalies, I think that the Dwayne Rollison addition would be, it could only be fitting if it came from the Minnesota Wild and it was one Cameron Talbot. And we brought back the dad bot and he came in and led us to a championship. That would be a very role and esque kind of storyline, obviously not with the same revisit. Uh, and then when it comes to forwards, uh, Sergei Samsonov is such a, it's such a, that's such a challenging thing to put on Ken Holland as a GM. Cause that was one of the greatest pivots that uh, a GM has ever done when Kevin Lowe did all the trades he did in that 2006 run. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, it would be an interesting name is a David Perron comes in and and uh, lit it up for us. Alla Sergey Samsonov. I so wish. There's two retreads for you. I wish David Perron ain't going nowhere. Uh, I'm just gonna say I'm,
4: I'm with Rick. I think that if you're looking for offensive additions, you got it today. So that's you're Evander yeah. Kane. Uh, as for a goaltender, now with Kane signed, I just don't think that they do anything with the goaltending at all. How's that? Good. Good. Question number two, ask the idiots for our friends at Buster's pizza. Tyler, you're up first. Chikrin for Barry, the first pick and Broberg who says no, maybe some instead. Can we push next year's first? That's money in money out.
0: Um, oh, I,
1: I do that trade in a heartbeat.
0: I do it if I'm Edmonton. Yeah. Like it's, it's a lot to give up, but you're getting a legitimate. High-end NHL defenseman signed for three more years to a reasonable cap it and Barry's money's out the door. That makes sense. I'm just struggling a little bit if that's enough from Arizona's perspective. Like they're getting Broberg, but you don't know how they view Broberg, and you don't know if Arizona's going to or sorry Florida's going to step up and and knock that offer out of the park potentially. Right. So I I would say that in this moment Arizona would say no, but if Edmonton were to hypothetically land Jacob Chickren, which I don't think they will, I think that's the package it would look like.
2: Rick. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I think uh, I think the Oilers would make that move. Um, there are just some question marks when it comes when it comes to uh, Arizona's perspective on either one of those two defensemen. I think if you bring in like a, a guy like Chickering, then you can actually give up a, a, a Broberg or a, a Sam Ruka for that matter. Um, I just, yeah, I think the uh, Arizona would be uh, a little more skeptical to make that move.
4: Dan, you said you'd already do it.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I would do that just because you're, you're solving a problem going forward, like Tyler said, and you've gotten rid of Tyson Berry money. And in the meantime,
2: what, wasn't the question who says no. Uh, that in, was
4: Arizona says no. I would say yes to you. I think that I would like, I'd like to win now. I'd like not to wait for later to see what Groberg may or may not be. Uh, that doesn't offend me. Um, starting with Dan on this one, ask idiots for our friends at Buster's Pizza. From the past five seasons, so we got to think back to the past five seasons now, who's a fourth line player you would pick to replace one of our current fourth Patrick line Maroon. players?
1: Patrick Maroon. I, like, it's every time for me. He's just, I miss what he had on, the, what we had on this team with a Patrick Maroon. So for me, it's Patrick Maroon. Tyler.
0: Uh, I really like the maroon pick. I think that is a strong selection. This is a question that I don't really have an answer for off the top of my head because it's oddly specific. Um, (laughs) hmm. I am thinking very hard about this. I'm giving it a 2017
1: Zach Cassian.
0: I, I don't know. I'll stick with the Lightning. I'll go with like, uh, can we have Corey Perry on his $1 million deal down in our bottom six going to no, no, the other team? You're
4: bringing back a former Ooh. Oilers oh, fourth liner. Oh, a former
0: liner. Oilers fourth liner. I thought Sheep. it was just any fourth liner. Uh, former Oilers fourth liner. Did Slepyshev ever play on the fourth line? Probably. I like him. Oh, yeah. Can I, I'm being Ant on Slepyshev. Rick. I like that. <laughs> oh, uh, Patrick Ma- Russell. Did Maru
2: really play on the fourth line here? Uh probably for a game at some point. Yeah, that's good. I don't know. Um yeah, that's that's (laughs) Rick. I answered Uh, it really quickly.
1: Give me a break. (laughs)
2: Uh yeah, I know Tyler loves the uh I love the the Slebishov Slebishev move. Uh but you know what, the one that's here right now who doesn't get a lot of ice, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna uh, if he gets full time ice, I want Benson in there.
4: I will finish off with the correct answer, which is obviously Gayton Haas.
2: Yes. Oh, that should have been my pick. <laughs> I
4: love him. <laughs> Shout out to John Haas. All right. Last question. I see it is for our friends at Buster's Pizza. I'm going to start with Rick on this one. Recent reports say that the Seattle Kraken are listening to offers on everyone. What's your take on a possible deal with Seattle to bring back either A, Adam Larson, or B, Jordan Eberle?
1: There's a Samsonoff answer right there. Can you imagine?
2: You know what? I like when it comes to forwards, I think we're really running out of places to play guys, unless you're starting to move them, uh, move them out the door. That is. So um, I don't know what it takes to get Larson back here, but I'm, I'm sitting there on that conversation all day long.
4: I'll jump into Adam. Larson is who I would pick. I didn't realize how much we would miss him necessarily until he's gone, but we certainly do. Dan.
1: Well, this, I mean, you have to make money work, of course, but of course. one of the two, any of the, either of the two goaltenders, I think would come into this situation and be better than what we have currently. So Drieger or uh, obviously mean an arm and a leg for, uh, for uh, Brubauer there.
0: Uh, Tyler, what do you like? Original Poozar in my Twitter, in one of my Twitter threads the other day, hopped in and said, Hey, Maybe Barry would be a fit in Seattle because if they trade Giordano, they need someone to quarterback the power play. So let's just, you know, Barry and what next year's second for Adam Larson. Huh? Adam Larson, poor guy. He just
4: wanted a fresh start with all the stuff he had to go through. And you're right back in, baby. He uh, he on, does, does have a 10
0: team no-trade
2: have... list. Oh, okay. Thank you.
1: Yeah. So probably not happening. Uh, probably wants to come back now that it's real pissy in here now. Oh, we're super pissy. He wants one of those
4: teas, and we'll get him one.
0: He goes and looks at the headlines. He's like, what's going on in Edmonton? Dreisaitl fight, Evander Kane sign. He's like, you know what? They are on my list now. I'm not doing
4: that. (laughs) Uh, There you go. Ask the idiots. If you want to submit a question, hit me up on the tweet machine, slide into my DMs or on Instagram. I know I missed some of you guys uh, this week. Now that I'm looking, there were some other questions, but we'll get to those. So, I'm going to put my little randomizer on here and I'm going to watch it spin for a second to see who wins the Buster's Pizza gift card. Landon, you are a winner. You have won the GC from our friends at Buster's Pizza for asking the boys over the past five seasons, which fourth line player would you pick to replace one of the current ones? Again, correct answer. The only answer is Gaitan Haas. Thank you. There you go. Ask the idiots for Buster's Pizza. Looking around the internet really quickly here as we're wrapping up the podcast before we get into the hot and cold performers. Chatter around the Oilers is sky high right now. And if there's one thing that I hope this Evander Kane signing does, is actually helps contribute to some wins here because nothing will shut people up about the Oilers quite like having wins on the board. And really, that's what I'm hoping or I'm um, just uh running through Zach's tweets here cuz he transcribed basically the whole interview um he was asked about Connor McDavid uh Kane asked about Connor McDavid's comments that he would be welcome that he would welcome him to the Oilers if it was a fit and Kane's response was, I think it was unfair the criticism that he received for that. My reaction to it was that I was impressed. I was impressed because he doesn't know me personally. He doesn't know my story. I haven't shared any details with him. For him to have an even-keeled mindset and not make any judgments about me before getting to know me, I thought it was very impressive. Uh, And then McDavid reached out to him ahead of this, saying they had a great conversation. So there was a little bit of connections going on there between the newest Edmonton Oiler and Connor McDavid.
1: Tampering. Mm-hmm. Campering. Well, he was a free agent. Are you allowed to do that? I don't know how that works. I wonder if you have a grievance though, if you're, if it would be considered because so you could like technically like be out It's here. now
0: looped into the lawsuit. <laughs> he like has to go to court and like be in the arbitration. <laughs> Fuck. Do
4: you know anything about what happens with the NHL's grievance on that contract? Like what happens if the NHL PA gets their way? Does like he just get money back from San yeah. Jose or what is What happens?
0: Yeah. He'll just get like a big chunk of money or they could like do a Bobby Benilla thing where they like spread it out over the next like
1: 90 yeah. years of his life. They go to Edmonton. They're like, you have to go back to San Jose. Now you're actually a San Jose shark yeah. again. He scores like six goals in four games. And then like,
0: actually back you go. And he like has to walk into the shark room and be like back.
1: One of my favorite
4: things every year is the Bobby Bonilla thing. Yeah. And do you like how long is that guy signed for? Because I just feel like every year I'm like, surely I'm not going to hear about Bobby Bonilla this year. And then I think it's seven oh, more years. 2035. That's crazy. Oh he'll God. be paid through 2035. I just Googled it. So he has got some term left on. Is
0: Rick DiPietro cash. still getting cash? He's got to be done by now. Uh, yeah, no, like a as a team. result of his contract bio, the Islanders will continue to pay DiPietro one and a half million <laughs> annually till the end of the 2028-29 season.
4: Oh. What about our what about our former friend Briz? Where is he at on that list? He's gotta be in there in the mix because he had an extended contract with Philly, didn't he? Yashin.
0: I, I'm just saying this as a matter of fact, not as a joke. The owner who is in charge of the Islanders, he's dead already. And he's still, they, they still have House to ring. wing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Breeze Galov is going to be getting paid till 2027.
2: <laughs> Yashin. I think oh. Yashin's off. off right now. Mike, yeah, I think R- so.
0: Mike Richards was the one that uh, is actually a similar scenario as Kane, where he grieved it and ended up getting back some money. Um And he's going to remain on the King's books. This according to the hockey news back in 2015 until 2031, 32. I want Brzezgal off on this podcast so bad. How good would that be? Just to be like, dude, how sick is the direct deposit day when you get your yearly payment from the Flyers?
4: That's so good. I love it. Not as good as Bobby Bonilla, 2035. Wow. I love it. It's so good, man. This is just another one of those little conversations where sometimes GMs they are just they they go full GM sometimes, don't they? They just. It's go
2: funny. What's cool. it, he and gets one and a half million a year for Bobby but yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yep. So I don't do you have to consider go- what that oh, sorry. consider what that was worth when he first started getting it compared to what it's when it, when he when he gets his last paycheck. Wasn't that yeah, they, like they, the reason they did it though? The things you like, could buy with the first one, yeah. and then the things yeah. you could buy with the last one.
4: Yeah, it's not like he's getting an interest or uh, an inflation-adjusted total. Otherwise, he'd be getting like <laughs> fucking twenty million by the time this done. I have a, I, bit
2: have more, a yeah.
1: I have a story about the connection to Rick DiPietro and the GM that brought him in, Garth Snow. uh, for another, for the other company that I've worked for in the past in sports, the sports industry, they called Rick DiPietro. One of our writers called him often injured and Gar Snow called and canceled the contract with the company because they called him often injured and they predicted they would lose the game six, nothing. They lost the game uh, or so they, lo- we predicted that they would lose the game six, nothing six, one, and they lost the game six, nothing. There we go. Huh. But anyway, so yeah, so you're not wrong. Like it's like, it's like these GMs, some of them just shoot their shot and then like they it is hard for them to admit that they were wrong, and then this buyout comes, and it's now just on their record until forever.
2: Sometimes they make those contracts knowing it's going to be someone else's problem, though. You're like, ah, oh, this is my last kick at the cat in this team. If you know, I got to go get this. Guy You're sure? The money. <laughs> ah, nope. You're, You're going to let me sign
1: some more contracts before I get out of here, Bob? Sure <laughs> thing. I don't want to talk about that anymore.
4: <laughs> <laughs> all right Tyler get your buttons ready it's time for our Deuce vodka hot and cold performers of the week you get on DeuceVodka.com. as always there's brad kissley staring at you right in the face handsome devil to the right hand side of that there's a find in store button you're going to want to click on that find out where you can get a bottle of Deuce vodka for the weekend provided that you are of legal drinking age Okay, looking at my screen here, Mr. Nation Dan is up first. Your Deuce vodka cold performer of the week.
1: Oh well, my Deuce vodka cold performer of the week is going to go to uh, one person. But first, I'll say congratulations to Keith Yandel on getting the Iron Man streak. Uh, but my Deuce vodka cold performer of the week is that every time we talk about an Iron Man streak, I am reminded of the fact that some players have had their Iron Man streaks ended. Because of suspension. And I think that's the dumbest thing ever. Specifically. Yeah. I'm talking about Andrew Cogliano yeah. suspensions should not end Ironman streaks. That's dumb. That's not what Ironman streaks are. So that's, what's going to get my cold performer of the week. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke is what it is.
4: Uh, Yeah. Cause wouldn't Cogliano have had this. Oh yeah. Like a, by a country
1: mile at this point. Yeah. But- I think he, like, I think he sat out games since then just because it didn't matter out. anymore, but. But like if Yandel wasn't chasing the Ironman streak,
0: he would have been healthy scratched a long time ago. And now I think there's kind of an awkward thing in Philly where we joked about it on the rundown. Like how many more How long can Philly go until they like won't look like pieces of shit for healthy
1: scratching him? Because they don't
0: really want him in the lineup.
1: You got to, you got to at least get into double digits before you do it or else it's too obvious.
0: And then the other thing is the second he's healthy, scratched, Phil Kessel's only 26 games away from passing him. Oh, spicy.
4: <laughs> Cause Phil, the thrill, you you got to imagine he ain't done. I'm looking at no. Philly right now. Uh, Keith Yandel, 43 games played, zero goals, 13 assists. So he, I, I mean, to be honest, if I'm, if I'm being honest with you guys, I kind of forgot Keith Yandel existed for a while. Uh, he is not the player he once was. Put it lightly. All right. Rick, you
2: next up. Juice Valka,
4: Cold Performer of the Week.
2: This one's going to go out to two different factions. To me, it's almost like the, you get a penalty and the, uh, and the, and the, uh, the diving call at the same time. So this one's going to go out to the NFL and their playoff overtime rules. But it's also being handed out to the Buffalo Bills. And whoever's calling their defensive plays, the Bills knew what the overtime is. They allowed it to go to a, a coin flip. They came out and played the worst last 13 seconds of football when you were winning that I've ever seen. They gave up two big touch, <laughs> two big catches right away. And I know this they from did. Tyler. They gave up they two huge plays back-to-back. Dude, those are two guys that are going to catch the fucking football. Stand in front of them, bump them off the line, do something. Don't just back up and allow their kicker to go. But that's exactly <laughs> what they did. They said, let's go to overtime. And then at the end of the day, those overtime roles are garbage as well. So I got to give it to both of them. both whoever was calling the Bills defensive plays and the NFL overtime in general.
4: Uh, just so you guys know, while you were saying that Rick, I pinned Tyler to my screen. So I've got big Tyler's while he, he got to sit there and listen to you <laughs> shit on the bills. Tyler, I will allow you a quick rebuttal to, uh, to Rick's Deuzbock, coldest performer of the week.
0: I'm so sad. It
2: sucks. <laughs> we have yeah, been It's, not, it's I don't think it's even Lestray, the case. straight, run
3: amok and flat out the <laughs>
2: I'm not even blaming the guys on the field. And I just like that team. I think whoever played who made those play calls just completely wrong. And just really accepting the fact that, Hey, let's go to the coin flip
4: as somebody who just very much enjoyed the game because it was fun to watch uh, Tyler. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, that's tough. But hey, listen—that is a very Buffalo Bills way of doing things. I've been a fan of that division. I'm fully aware of that, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, you understand what happened in the '90s? You, what would, how would you handle it if you were alive in the '90s at this age when they went back to back to back to back Super Bowls and won none of them?
0: Yeah, probably wouldn't have handled it well.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know what Bill stands for, right? I don't want to say this. Boy, I love. Losing Super Bowls, B I L S.
0: Who's up next? I'll Me next <laughs> and cold for the week? There's someone on this podcast, I might want to give it to. <laughs> oh shit! Um, no, I'm going to give it to uh, the news out of Arizona that they're considering playing in the ASU stadium that holds like as many people as the rec Center in St. Albert. It's ridiculous. Like, how can this keep <laughs> happening, man? Like this. I just, come on, Arizona, let's figure it out. Like either you want to own a team and you build a proper damn rink or you pay rent properly in the rink you currently have, or we just pack you up and we move you somewhere else. I don't even care where Arizona, come on now.
1: What the hell is going on? The absolute best part about it for me is that it's three to four years of a lease. It's not like a temporary location. It's there until twenty twenty.
2: Six. I like. I, I thought it was that term, so they could build a place.
1: Well, yeah, that but still five thousand like years. <laughs> <laughs> like, surely you well, could I, find I, something I, better. I, I
2: get that's terrible. I understand that part's terrible, but I thought the term was so. You know, we'll just rent this place out for a little while, which. <laughs> horrible decision and then they'll be in the process of building a place so this all these this bullshit can g- go away. They should just
0: make them like the Harlem Globetrotters and they just like don't just have shatter, a home right? like they just play 82 yeah. road games.
4: Yeah I, I mean like if you, you got to think too like when other owners of NHL teams saw the news they're like you got to be fucking kidding me 5,000 people
2: <laughs>
4: like, right? Why would, a free,
2: th- why, would, why would any free agent want to sign there?
0: Man, because you who gives a shit? You're gonna like cash in. experience. Can you? I always say, like, can you imagine being Andrew Ladd? Like for the last year and a half, you were getting sent up and down, and like riding the buses in Bridgeport of the American League, and then you find out, like, you get the call. And it's like I got traded. I get to play fucking where? Like you go from Long Island being a healthy scratch and a fourth liner in the minors to like, oh, I still get all my money and I get to live in Arizona. Hell yeah. Good times. Cash in.
4: Good times. Uh, my Deuce Vodka, Cold Performer of the Week. It has to do with our weather. I Before we started recording this, I took my homie Franco for a walk. Frank Saravali, that is. And the sidewalks in Edmonton are de- <laughs> they're death traps in some places. And if you've got a dog that's got the 4x4 pulling like mine does sometimes, he gets excited when he's out there. His poor little legs were kicking all over the place, but the sidewalks in Edmonton right now are greasy. and You get my Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the Week. Of all right. Tyler, you're up first to finish us off with a little bit of positivity. Your Deuce Vodka Hot Performer of the Week.
0: I'm going to give it to uh, the vibes that are going to be had in uh, Jasper this weekend. We're going to have a good time. We got uh, the... Play, team Play La Bamba is in the tournament. We are going to bring a ton of pride to Oilers Nation with our effort on the ice. And I just got a tweet from the On The Bench Boys. Um, and I think it confirms that they're going to buy us the beer they owe us. Because on real life, we bet them that the Oilers would beat the Flames in the Battle of Alberta. And I think they owe us 48 beers. So we're going to have a couple beers, play a little bit of hockey, and shout out to Tourism Jasper. Uh, they get the hot performer of the week for organizing this uh very fun tournament we're going to be going to.
2: I Rick, next up, Deuce Vodka Hot Perform of the Week. Uh, you know what? I got to go back to last Saturday again and just give it to the NFL and the playoffs. That was probably the most exciting uh, four games I've ever watched. That was, you know, three three last-second field goals in that overtime game. Uh, yeah, that was, that was exciting. That was fun. That was uh, a hell of a time. So we'll give it to the NFL. Pour it on!
4: Uh, also, just on the NFL last week, I think... I had a great time just texting Tyler, just his name. That's all I was texting him. And he knew exactly
1: what I was talking about. And his responses were hilarious. Dan, you're next up. Deuce Vodka Hot form of the Week. Uh, well, my Deuce Vodka Hot Performer of the Week is going to go out to all of the former Oilers and all the players that got named to the Canadian men's Olympic team this week. But especially to one that isn't getting mentioned that very, or very much in this city. And it's one Edward Pascal who you will all remember played one season. And I believe I'm just going to check my stats here to make sure uh, 16 games for the Bakersfield Condor and your starting goaltender for the Canadian Olympic team, Edward Pascal. So He's you're going to get guy. my hot performer of the week. He's a hot guy. Uh, my dues hot performer of the
4: week is Netflix because I just finished Ozark season four and that show fucking rules. I'm sad that it's over. I'm sad that I'm done for another year. But man, that is a great show. So I guess maybe Netflix gets one. Ozark gets one. Jason Bateman gets one. And Tyler also gets one for putting up with my nonsenses. I very much enjoyed watching
2: the Bills lose. Put some respect on my name. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Tyler? Yep.
0: We got a, we got a little uh, interview to get to here. Ryan Holt. He's the play-by-play voice down in Bakersfield for your Bakersfield Condors. And if you didn't know... Dylan Holloway played his first handful of professional hockey games. And uh, Ryan Holt joined me for a quick chat on Holloway, Lavoie, Marodi, Broberg, Vinny DeHarnay. Here's that chat with Ryan. It is a pleasure to welcome into Oilers Nation Radio, the voice of the Bakersfield Condors, Ryan Holt. You can find him on Twitter at Condors Holti, the number one way to stay connected with Edmonton's AHL affiliate Holty, How's it going, man?
3: I'm great. I'm great enjoying uh, the sunshine here in Tucson and uh, getting ready for, for two games uh, this weekend. Well,
0: thanks for giving me some time here. There is a lot to get to here with this Bakersfield team. We're going to jam in as much as we can, but the number one thing that has Oilers fans buzzing over the last week is the fact that Dylan Holloway is finally playing games. So I'll start this one with a real simple question. How's Dylan Holloway looked in his first few professional hockey
3: games? Yeah, he's been great. Um, I think the, the cool part about... Dylan is, is he's been around the team now for, um, you know, a couple of months. He, he was with the team late last year during the Pacific Division uh, title run. And then, you know, this season able to come down and, and get his uh, get his feet wet here for his uh, first couple of games professional and, you know, three assists in the opening two games. And he's looked every bit the part of, of what we kind of expected. Or, you know, if you read a scouting report or seen him in college, uh, you know, he's looked exactly the same. You know, in that regard, uh, elite level skater, uh, a kid who, you know, can really possess the puck and and change games offensively. He's drawn, I think, three power plays already for the team uh, in in two or three games here. Uh, One led directly to a a goal and and a comeback last night against Tucson. So yeah, even though, you know, he might not have a point last night, he was affecting the game in other ways. Um, he's on the power play as well, too, with, uh, you know, when Broberg's here and Griffith and Marodi and, and all those cast of characters. So, uh, great to see, you know, him get going here this weekend and, uh, you know, look forward to, to big things from him. He's going to have a, a lengthy career and, uh, that's just the, the start of it.
0: Oilers fans, as you know, sometimes like to get a little ahead of themselves. I think I would include myself in that camp as well, but you see a first round pick go down and score three points in three games in the American league. And the talk is already, you know can we count on this guy to come up to the Oilers after the deadline or something in that range? Is that still a little bit premature? Or is he a guy you could see maybe making a a jump to the NHL later on this season?
3: What's my favorite line uh, that that we talked about? It's (laughs) way above my pay grade. Uh, It's way above my pay grade. Uh, But that being said, you know, it it wouldn't surprise me. Um, You know, he's a first round pick for a reason. You, You draft guys in the first round and especially in the top half of the first round, those are, are bona fide NHL players. Those aren't guys you're hoping become NHL players. Those are guys you need to become NHL players and need to become impact players in the NHL guys like boot and Yamamoto over the last couple of years uh, for Edmonton, Pooley Harvey is, you know, developed into one as well too. And now, you're kind of seeing that second wave, at least here in Bakersfield of, of, first rounders with, with Broberg and with Holloway coming through, um, early second rounders like McLeod and, um, you know, a couple of other players like Lavoie starting to come and, and come to the forefront. So, um, do I think it's, it's possible? Yeah, I think it's possible, um, whether it happens or not remains to be seen. Um, you know, especially in this, uh, this era of hockey, um, it's, it's day by day for, for just about everyone. And, um, you know, looking forward to, to seeing what happens the rest of the year with him. And, you know, selfishly want him uh, in Bakersfield as long as possible. But, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes.
0: Another guy who was, uh, you know, up for a little bit in the NHL, but is still having success down in the American League is Philip Broberg. You mentioned his name. And the thing I notice here and, and a lot of the people who maybe don't watch him always say, oh, he's going to be a shutdown guy. He's going to be a shutdown guy. Then you look and he's got 17 points in 24 games. You mentioned him playing on the power play as well. Is the offensive side of Philip Broberg's game something that has maybe taken a step forward this season? Yeah, he's
3: benefited a little bit and you know, we have a pretty good power play and he's benefited a little bit by being the quarterback of the top power play units. Uh, you know, he's got two shooters on either side of him with um, crack and with Griffith uh, Marody as, as kind of an option and, and Malone down low as well too. So um, you know, he's kind of benefited a little bit from the power play. So I would say that the offensive numbers are, are skewed just a little bit, just because of the offensive side of things. But that being said, um, you know, he's playing 20, 24 minutes a night. He's playing with Vinny Deharnay on the team's top pairing, and they've been tremendous. And, um, you know, for my money, one of the top pairings uh, that I've seen in the Pacific division. So he's doing everything right. You got to remember, too, he's, you know, 20 years old, and, you know, I think he turns 21 this summer. Um, you know, a young defenseman, still coming into his own. He's very mature for his age. Uh, he looks the part, he acts the part, um, you know, a guy who's, you know, going to have another lengthy career in the national hockey league. It's just getting going here in Bakersfield. And, um, you know, for him to be the number one guy here in Bakersfield this early, um, you know, I don't even think it took Evan Bouchard, you know, a little longer to get going, but kind of the same trajectory of both of them. I think, you know, two different style defensemen. Um, Groberg has a, you know, a defensive side of his game. That's, you know, been really polished. And And one thing about Phil is he's so good at, kind of being a one-man breakout out of his own end. He makes a great first pass. He's a smooth skater as well, too. So that area of his game is what's going to translate at the next level. Is he going to get the power play opportunity that he does here in Bakersfield? I I don't know, Um, you know, just based off other numbers up in Edmonton. But that being said, you know, we'll, we'll gladly take him here in Bakersfield and gladly put him on the uh, the top power play units.
0: You mentioned his partner, Vinny DeHarnay and Bob Stoffer sent out a tweet uh, yesterday, I believe, talking about how he's a guy who's on track to earn an NHL contract in 2022. I mean, he's six foot seven. That jumps off the page at you. And I'm sure it catches your eye very quickly on the ice as well. But he's not exactly a household name amongst Oilers fans. Can you give us like uh, maybe an intro to who Vinny DeHarnay no. is as a defenseman?
3: We, we've done this uh, a couple of times now with uh, you know defensemen that are kind of under the radar here over the last year or so i think last year I, I gave you Marcus name a line and I want a finder's fee on marcus uh, for for kind of putting him on the radar so uh, gladly we'll put uh, you know Vinnie on the radar Vinny's a, a heck of a defenseman uh, he's a defensive defenseman first just because of his size and his ability in his own d zone and he's a great penalty killer as well too um, he's had an opportunity here this year to really flourish the team doesn't have a veteran defenseman. Uh, Vinny's the most veteran defenseman on the team in the American hockey league. And he's played, I think he just passed 70 AHL games this past week um, for, for Vinny to be the the top guy in terms of, you know, veteran, you know, games played in the American hockey league is a tremendous, you know, weight to carry. It's a, uh, it's an honor, I think, you know, for him to kind of be a young you know veteran in this league i guess if you will because you have so many young defensemen on the back end and he's really been kind of the rock that's kind of gelled everyone together and uh he signed a two-year ahl deal this past summer he's the guy who two years ago was in and out of the lineup down in wichita in the echl and you know listen dave manson's uh you know i can't say enough great things about dave manson and the coaching staff and dave in particular what he does with the with the d but i think You can look at Vinny DeHarnay and and obviously the work he's put in, um, you know, as a defenseman, as a top pairing defenseman in this league. But the work that Dave Manson does in bringing guys along and Nima Linen's in that fold as well, too, that maybe we're on the cusp. Maybe if they didn't have a Dave Manson, you know, would it have turned out this way? I'm not sure. But, you know, Vinny's uh, I think he's plus. Twelve or thirteen in his last, you know, five six games. I know plus minus isn't all that's cracked up to be, but um, you know, at, the, at this level, for him to do what he's doing right now, and he's chipped in some offense too, which is just a bonus. Um, you know, I can't say enough good things about about Vinny DeHarnay kind of moving
0: down my checklist of players. I want your take on Raphael Lavoie is a guy who is more of a household name amongst Oilers fans. What have you liked in Lavois' game so far? And and maybe what are the areas if fans are going to sit down and watch him that they should be looking for him to maybe improve on if he wants to one day make that jump to being an Edmonton oiler.
3: Well, I, I think he shoots the puck. I think 24 hours a day. I don't think, uh, I don't think he ever takes uh, an opportunity not to shoot the puck. So that's first and foremost, uh, you know, and, and Raph's uh, really come on here uh, this season. He started, you know, slow. Uh, the, the season didn't start the way he wanted it to. You know, I think he went three, you know, uh, a solid 15, 16 games without a goal. The wasn't really getting a sniff as well, too. wasn't creating opportunities. And then something just clicked in mid-December. And not only just the, the shot totals and the ability to create chances, but it's this whole game as well, too um he's had an opportunity to play with Adam Prackle and Seth Griffith, two guys who, you know, do it right every day. Um, you know, and, and show up with their work boots on, ready to go, and I think that's one area of of, of Raff's game that's really come on here. Over the last couple of weeks, Um, you know he's got seven goals, I think, in his last uh, fourteen games, and you know has really started to get onto the the point pace that you know he was on last year when he was so effective as a as a late call up, uh, I guess, for the Condors and and helped the team uh, in the postseason run. So um, you know I think he's he's figuring it out, and I, I think it's great to see. And I talked with Jay Woodcroft yesterday specifically about him and just the coaching staff in general. When you have players who start at point A and you want to get them to point D. You know, it might go B, C, and then back to B, and then back to A, and then up to C, and then eventually you get to D, and eventually you get to see them live out their dream in the NHL. And I think for Raf, it's, uh, you know, it hasn't been a straight line, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to make him better as his career progresses. And again, you know, another 21-year-old we're talking about here, and a guy who is going to play games in the National Hockey League and and hopefully become a a full-time NHLer in the near future.
0: Last one in terms of specific players I wanted to hit on with you is uh Cooper Marody, a guy who's not 21 anymore. He's up to 25. He was up in Edmonton for one game grabbed an assist as well. And, and yet he's never really gotten another look this season since that game, even though the Oilers have faced injuries up front and have been looking to, to add some depth scoring as well. Are you, are you maybe a little surprised that Cooper Marody hasn't gotten another shot And and how important has he been to that Condors team this year?
3: One, he's vitally important to to this team and this team's success. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as he's grown up here in Bakersfield, he's turned in from a a rookie that's had you know good numbers and become you know kind of a, a rookie budding superstar. And now he's turned into you know he's not a veteran in, in that sense, but you know he's one of the older faces. He's one of the guys who's done it right uh, for for the last three or four seasons here in Bakersfield. When he's been healthy, he's been one of, if the most dominant, uh, you know, forward of his age group, certainly, you know, he's top five in the NHL in scoring since he's been in the league, um, you know, and unfortunately, um, you know, this doesn't just happen, you know, in the Oilers organization, it happens in, in many organizations. You you kind of get these, you know, and I'll call them tweener type of players, you know, guys who, can they play in the NHL? Yeah, they can probably play in the NHL. Do they maybe need, you uh, you know, a top six minutes or need an opportunity. You know to kind of show their skill. You know that might be the the case. You know, and that that happens every now and again. Um, you know, it's not like you can just throw a guy on the fourth line and ask him to do a role that he hasn't done. Um, but with that being said, you know, Coop this year has been one of the top penalty killers for the team. Uh, it's another penalty kill that's in the top five in the league. Uh, Coop's a big part of that. We saw that last year with Tyler Benson too. Uh, again, just you know, avenues for them to be able to get to the NHL and stick, you know, if it's not, you know, with Connor, with Leon, with Nuge, is it, you know, an opportunity for them to go up and, and be able to be a penalty killer, be able to give you seven, eight minutes a night and be effective in that role. And, um, you know, you're seeing it with Benson McLeod and, and trying to find their way with limited minutes to, you know, be able to still have the impact they had in the NHL. I mean, you know, Coop plays uh, 19, 20 minutes a night here, you know, in the AHL and gets all power play time and, and all of that. And and that's not going to happen in the NHL. And I think, you know, you kind of fall into that, that tweener category, but uh can't say, you know, like a lot of these, uh, you know, Condors uh, can't say enough good things about what Coop's done. Really impressed with the maturity that he's handled kind of the situation he's in, because it would be easy to be frustrated, but he just keeps going and putting up points and, you know, came off the, the COVID list and and, and not two assists last night. So uh, he's doing what, uh, what he usually does. Ryan, always love the insight, man. Keep up the good work down in Bakersfield and enjoy
0: uh, the next stretch of games here.
3: Thanks. Appreciate it. And uh, take care And any time.
0: There you go. Nice little chat with Ryan Holt. Um, Vinny DeHarnay, five foot or sorry, six foot seven and That's playing a on a pairing with, water. and p- playing on a pairing on the top pairing with Philip Broberg. So uh, that was interesting. Good stuff happening down in bako. What's
4: the fucking wingspan like on that guy? He just like his poke checks sweep the ice, you know, yeah, there you go. Like hearing from the Condors. Really excited about Holloway. I wonder real quick before we wrap this up. How long do you think before Holloway is up with you? Withers, Tyler, you just had the interview.
0: Yeah, um, I will say he gets up mid-March, early March. I'm going to say early March.
2: Nick? Originally, I was going to say he's going to be up a little bit earlier than that. But now that Kane's here, I think they can now, uh, push him back a little bit. So as long as he keeps showing up the way he is right now, looking comfortable, looking good out there. Um, I'm going to say early March. Nation Dan.
1: I think that the Savander Kane transaction has allowed Dylan Holloway all the time in the world. I think it'll probably be closer to the playoffs now.
4: Uh, I actually agree with Dan. That'd be my guess as well. If at all. If at all. Uh, Maybe he just forces his way in. But now that Kane is around on that left side, I think maybe, you know, maybe towards the end of the year. Maybe not at all. All right. There you go. There you have it. Oilers Nation Radio episode 177. Vander Kane is an Evan Snoiler. There you go. I want to thank our friends at DoorDash, Ding Dong, Oodle Noodle, Cornerstone Insurance, Deuce Foc, and Buster's Pizza for making it all possible. And most importantly, all of you for welcoming us into your ear holes on a weekly basis. This is the emergency episode. It's the regularly scheduled, just so happened to have news episode. That's it for Station Radio. Have a great weekend, everybody. Note out, Ben.
1: Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Hold up.